Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, June 17, 2019, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are in Chapter 3, More About Alcoholism, on page 33. We will be reading and commenting on the third paragraph, which begins with, to be gravely affected, and ends on the top of page 34 with, get them to see it. And then there's a little footnote at the bottom of the page we'll read as well. Today's readers are Allison E., Nancy H., Lisa B., Craig F., and Marie J., our newcomer greeter is Nan K. Announcements will be presented by Leah M. And our second hour host is Leslie M. The share ID number for yesterday, Sunday, June 16, 2019's special edition meeting is 13,041. That's 13041. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Allison E. to read the OA 12 Steps. Hi, good morning. This is Allison E., compulsive overeater from New York. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible 
except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, saw through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me be of service. Pass. Thank you, Allison E. I will now ask Nancy H. to read the OA 12 Traditions. Good morning, Rebecca and everyone else. This is Nancy H. from from Massachusetts, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overreader. The 12 Traditions, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and let me, thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in chapter three, more about alcoholism on page 33. We will be reading and commenting on the third paragraph, which begins with, 
to be gravely affected and ends on the top of page 34 with get them to see it. I will now ask Lisa B. to go ahead and read that for us. Good morning. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. To be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time nor take the quantity some of us have. This is particularly true of women. Potential female alcoholics often turn into the real thing and are gone beyond recall in a few years. Certain drinkers who would be greatly insulted if called alcoholics are astonished at their inability to stop. We who are familiar with the symptoms see large numbers of potential alcoholics among young people everywhere, but try and get them to see it. Then there's an asterisk which directs me to the bottom of the page, and that reads, True, when this book was first published, but a 2014 U.S.-Canada membership survey showed about 11% of AAs were 30 and under. Where there is so much in this paragraph that I can identify in with, um, to be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink. So I just want to share gravely means to a degree that gives cause for alarm. And affected means anything that is influencing me or touching me. Well, when I came in here, um, and now I know that this is a common symptom among real compulsive overeaters and also alcoholics and drug addicts and all people that have that allergy or symptom or illness of some sort, I wanted to see how you were so much worse than me so that I could identify out. Or on occasion, I would see how I am so much worse than you so that, again, I can identify out. And that's not really me. That's well, it's the illness inside of me that is a part of me that's, that's directing me to identify out because the very life of my illness is about to be snuffed out when I can identify in. And that's why, you know, a lot of times with drunkologues or in our food stories, um, I sometimes, you know, don't care for that because I didn't have a 700-pound body. I didn't have a 500-pound or a 300-pound or even a 200-pound body. But I know that my allergy that's in my body would mandate me to compulsively overeat and it would maybe look differently than others. I also know today that, you know, my symptoms are different in many ways than others, but also they're very similar in many ways. So I try to always identify in with the feeling. And when I share with other newcomers, um, I don't always want to go into a long story of my background because it could give them an opportunity to identify out. And it's the same when people ask me to share about my food plan. You know, well, what's your food plan? Well, that, that's a personal thing because we all could have different individual alcoholic ingredients and foods. And then, you know, the other thing is beyond recall, the progression can take different speed, you know, rate of speed for different people at different times. But I do know that it is chronic, it is progressive, and it is fatal, and that fatality may take a long time to come. And then when it talks about, pro- but try and get them to see it. Well, that reminds me of the passage in We Agnostics, which says that we were beaten into a state of reasonableness. And, you know, I can really want someone to get it, someone to see it, but they have to see it on their own. They have to be the ones that are beaten into that state of reasonableness. And that's such a hard 
blind. But I had to be beaten into a state of reasonableness. And, you know, to many people, it might look like I got off on a higher floor than others. But, boy, I'll tell you, that drop is just waiting for me. It is waiting for me. I know that. And then there are other people that got off on a higher floor even than me. And I have to be careful not to judge them and say, well, you're not a real compulsive overeater just because I'm comparing them to me. You know, so um, I'm so grateful for this program, and I'm grateful to be here today where I am and to be recovered and to have a solution. I pass. Thank you, Lisa B., for getting us started and reading in your beautiful share on what you read. If you haven't shared on this meeting in the past couple of days and would like to share on the third paragraph on page 33 in the big book, please press star 1 to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Lisa J.R. Ida A. Lisa J.R. Melissa C. Ida A. Melissa C. Marie J. Was it Terry J? Marie J. Oh, Marie. Marie J. Got it. Hopefully I got these four names. Right. Lisa J. R. Ida A. Melissa C. And Marie J. Is there anyone waiting to add your name to the list? Okay. Lisa J. R. Please go ahead. Thank you so much for your service this morning. Lisa J. R. Here from Baltimore, Maryland. Gratefully recovered one day at a time forever. Um, Wow. What a beautiful reading and what a beautiful opening share. Um, You know, get them to see it. Um, It took me a long time. It took me 55 years. And uh, I get stoked when I get to work with a young woman that um, is trying to uh, work the program at an early age, at a young age, because, um, you know, I lingered in this disease for a very, very long time. And my uh, my illusion solution was working for a while, long while, till I just couldn't couldn't keep pace with the the copious amounts of food that I was putting in my body. And then I came into vision for you, and um, you know my my lies, my denial uh, stepped into the ring uh, for yeah, I want to say for about six months with the truth I was hearing on the line, you know, um, I got in the ring with it. Okay. I can take a punch. I can, I can take this disease. I took it a long time. And then I listened to people like Kim and Harlan and Larry and the rest of you guys on the line. And, and I was trying, um, my denial and my untruth was in the ring, trying to go round after round with your truth that you were speaking out of your experiences. And, you know, thank God I was finally beaten into a state of reasonableness where I just plumb said, no mas, no mas, you know, I can't take it anymore. Um, I'm done. So, yeah, you know, um, it's great to carry the message to young people. Um, as was shared earlier, we can't, you know, dwell on on our story, but um, we definitely, you know, can use discernment and help people to relate in as they tell theirs, and we um, hold this lantern over the text. And thank you so much for letting me share this morning. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lisa J.R. Ida A. 
Hi, good morning, everyone. Ida A. here, grateful compulsive overeater in Northern British Columbia. And thank you all for being here. And thank you for reading this line by line so my great forgetter can pay attention again. Gravely affected, indeed. I am gravely affected. I have been, I have had um, a, a destructive relationship with food for half a century. It's a, it, it's a half century habit of diving into hell, sometimes daily, sometimes more than daily. But today, I can cultivate this continued acceptance. It says so in the literature <laughs> that, that I can choose daily recovery. I can pause, I can pray, I can, and I'm learning to look beyond that initial pleasure of the food. I no longer actually solve my problems by eating. I did not know that was possible. And, and program, and all of you have taught me that these cravings, these, these feelings that might be disturbing, um, I don't have to act on them. Like, wow, <laughs> really wow. Each time I face a situation that I don't have to restrict, I don't have to purge or compulsively overeat, that I can strengthen my spiritual connection to a God of my own understanding. That's amazing. That, that specific action is available to me too, to me too. And it will offset this desire I have to just jump into the food because I thought I was helpless. Program has taught me I don't have to believe the lie. Periodically between my ears, this lie comes in. Food will make it better. Food will make it better. Oh my God, this is a horrible situation. Food will make it better. I don't have to believe that lie anymore. Today, slowly, I'm remembering because of program and all of you that when the great forgetter happens, um, each obstinate day brings with it a stronger sense of honesty. What, even the literature says it, what honesty, integrity, accountability, those are things that never lived. I faked it, but weren't real. And so those decisions to be abstinent and to lean into program without the food enables me to overcome this fear. And I didn't even know I had fear. So, so fear of not getting enough food, not getting, not getting love. And really what I've learned is to be gravely affected is to live without love. Thanks to program, I'm learning to live loved little by little because it's always been about the love anyway. Thanks for being here. Blessings. Thanks, Ida A. Melissa C. Hi. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you so much for your service. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And um, yeah, so what I really get here um, is a direction for me um, in dealing with. Um, young people or people um, who are um, not quite sure or would be insulted, you know, if diagnosed. And, um, you know, so it says like uh, certain drinkers would be greatly insulted if called alcoholics. Um, But they're astonished, you know, they're astonished at their inability to stop. And, um, yeah, so my charge is not to insult people. You know, Um, I have to be very careful um, in in my relationships with others, those that are in my life or those that I come across that, you know, I'm pretty familiar with the symptoms, you know, so I can sort of see um, in other people 
things that mm, they kind of look like they may have this. And um, my charge is not to um, label anybody. You know, the diagnosis always has to come from within. You know, if you try to get, you know, a young person or any person to see something, you can't force, um, not me, um, banging something. I don't know what that was, Melissa. Try to go ahead. Unless we lost you. <sighs> Melissa C., we can't hear you. Hi. I guess I guess it got oh. unmuted. I'm sorry. <laughs> you got muted. Um, there you are. Yeah, Thank got, you. Yeah, got muted. Nick, can, you can hear me now, though, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, so, um, yeah, so my charge is not to insult people. I can't um, give somebody else the diagnosis. You know, I, I might see things in front of me, um, but I know, like anybody that called attention to my inability to stop, you know, people who noticed and said something about my insane eating, my huge weight fluctuations, um I avoided those people, and I pulled away from them. And, you know, is that how I want to be treated today if I have a message to carry? I don't want people to avoid me and pull away from me. And, you know, because how can I help someone who won't come near me? And and I've seen this happen in friendships and relationships, people that um, maybe I spoke, maybe I said too much, you know, because they kind of have pulled aside from me, pulled away from me, and, um you know, my my charge is not to convince. Uh, unfortunately, and we hear it all the time, the convincing, it has to come from the disease. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we can help people who are interested. We can help them diagnose themselves, but it's not my charge to diagnose another. Um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Marie J., Thanks, Rebecca. Hi, this is Marie J, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. And um, this uh, idea of astonished at my ability to 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 that my inability to stop um, really spoke to me this morning because I look back at my history, and in the '80s, I went on my first serious diet called Trim's Club, and I was in my tw- I was in my early 20s, and it was. Uh, the start of my belief that I could control things. And that, that belief was reinforced because I was successful and I lost the weight. So I secured this further conviction that if I tried hard enough, I could control anything. And when I went off that diet, I gained it back and then some. Because, but, but I knew I was in charge. And so I knew I could do it again. And so it wasn't hard to lose the weight. Why? Because I was young and healthy. I was in my 20s, but it was the start of this disease. And I did it over and over. And all the diets had different names over the years. And I did it for over 30 years, in and out and up and down on the scale. And I was miserable trying to control something that I had no power over. And 
I was upset about my inability to get a grip on it. And I never understood that I would always go back because there's this thing we've got that's called the mental twist. And it just tells me it's going to be okay this time. Get the weight off and then you can eat whatever you want and you can control this. And I was astonished to find out 35 years later when I finally got into this program that I couldn't stop. And just last night I had a dream, just last night. And it was really a nightmare that I went back. I went back out. And I've got almost six years in this program and two and a half years abstinent. And that was hard coming. I had to relapse twice in my first uh, three and a half years of, or four years of program. And in the dream I ate sugar and bread and I drank booze and, and I was, I was terribly upset. But the dream was a gift because it reminded me that this disease has always got its, its, its claws in me in the background. It's always lurking. And when I finished the, the, the food in the dream, I was trying to figure out how not to have to call my sponsor and tell her I relapsed. And that's all I cared about. So it's crazy. This is some screwed up thinking. It's full of anxiety. And I haven't had a dream like that since the very beginning days. So I don't know why it happened, but it was a gift because this disease lurks. It lurks, and no matter how recovered I am, I have to stay in conscious contact with this power that is greater than me to stay safe and protected. And I'm glad I don't have those thoughts when I'm conscious. So something was processing in my dreams last night, and that was a gift because I woke up saying, whoa, don't rest on your laurels, Marie. Don't ever have control of this thing. So thanks for letting me share. Oh, thanks, Marie J. Okay, who else would like to share on the last paragraph on page 33 Janet. that begins to be gravely affected? I heard you. I'm sorry. Rebecca F. Star one to mute. Oh my gosh! Thanks, Leah. I didn't know I was muted. Uh, Janice, Janice PM, go right ahead. Well, thank you, Rebecca. I'm sorry for stepping on your toes. You can hear Not me. Not at all. Mm, yes. This is Leah S. I'll add Leah S. to the list. Thanks, Leah. Go ahead, Janice. Thank you. Um, yeah, this is Janice P.M., recovered uh, compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. To be gravely affected. Well, this is all my thinking. Gravely affected? Boy, I didn't think that this was that serious. I thought alcoholism was serious. You know, I had that in my family, drugs, alcohol, um, but not eating. I mean, it doesn't. It, it was acceptable. It wasn't any moral issue, and uh, so um, I didn't think I was going to be gravely affected. But however, potential alcoholic that I was, potential. What does that mean to me? 
well, I would be a potential good teacher probably, you know. Um, I had the skills. Well, I had the capacity here, too, for developing a grave, grave disease. My disease, you know, uh, my disease, it's all about my thinking. It didn't know. My disease didn't know that I was a woman. My disease didn't know how long I, I, I was eating since age eight. Didn't know if I was a child or a mother, um, whether I was young or old, you know. But I like it, like what's been said. I was astonished all my life trying to for that inability to stop, you know. And why why couldn't I stop? I was because I was um, uh, focusing on the physical malady all the time. I spent years trying to find out the results how to get these results. I didn't realize that I had a mental obsession, a spiritual malady. Um, and this step one, nobody could give it to me, and I can't give it to anybody else. I have to diagnose myself. And if you want to diagnose yourself, any newcomer, you can go to page 44. And that that's when I really said, boy, is that me. Is that me? I could identify with certain things, but like somebody else said, I always identified out. Oh, that's why she doesn't eat certain sweets, because she's diabetic. Well, I became diabetic, and I still ate the sweets, or whatever foods, trigger foods I couldn't handle. So it, it's hard. It's hard. So there, And when you're young, you don't even think like this. You think, it's not going to happen to me, and I'm not doing anything wrong. Um, but let me tell you something, uh, it started very early for me, and it gets progressive, and it is permanent. Uh, it's, uh, it's quite a cunning disease. So it doesn't matter who you are, this disease does not know who you are. If you're a president or a com of a company or somebody on the street, and, but I know today who I am, and I'm a compulsive overeater, and that's not going to change. You know, the pickle theory, it's just not going to change. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Janice Gian. Leah F. Leah. Thank you very much. Um, okay. Rebecca, am I being heard? Yes. Good morning, Leah. Oh, okay. I, I want to apologize. I didn't want to step on anyone's toes. I just didn't hear anything, and I had wanted to share. Leah S. gratefully recovered in Brooklyn. Okay, so gravely affected. I just want to quickly read what um, page 30 says. We alcoholics, and that means me, uh, overeater that I am, and food addict that I am, have lost the ability to control to control <laughs> my eating. Um, we know that no real alcoholic ever recovers control. And all of us felt at some times that I was regaining that control. My goodness. This paragraph says it all on page 30. So, and how gravely have I been affected? Um, I'll tell you one thing, that I came into Overeaters Anonymous in 1981, and I stayed until um, 1985, and then I left the rooms because I didn't get the program. I didn't understand what the steps really mean. 
and how to implement everything into my life, which is what I do today through the grace of God. Thank you. And through the grace of this program and this fellowship and uh, these meetings, um, I, I cannot judge how much this is affecting you as as I am not in your shoes and I have no idea. But if you feel that you are so desperate, that you want to come in and to get this tranquility and this peace of mind and neutrality, then just keep sticking around because eventually it's going to pick up. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Leah S. Who else would like to share on the bottom of 33? Carlisa C. Carlisa C. Did I hear? Okay, Carlisa C. And did I hear uh, Leslie M? Leslie W. Oh, Leslie W. Thank you. Was there another voice? Okay, is there anyone else who wants to get in line? Kiara VP. Okay. Uh, could you repeat your name? Kiara VP. Kiara, is it V as in Victor P? Yeah, Victor Papa. Thank gotcha. You. I've got I've got you, Kiara. Okay. Uh, was there anyone else about to add their name to the list? Okay. We have Carlisa C., Leslie W., and Kiara VP. Carlisa C., please go ahead. Hi, good morning. This is Carlisa C., uh, grateful um, well, uh, I was going to say addict, but I'll just keep it to compulsive eater in recovery. Um, what is so important for me in this paragraph uh, and in the paragraph just before we start to learn about the man of 30 is uh, I, as a compulsive eater, do want to try and use every form of self-defense deception and experimentation. And a part of my deception was uh, thinking that I wasn't as bad as others. And that, that, was, that could have been because I was a woman. That could have been because I wasn't as old as uh, others on, uh, in the rooms. It could have been because I hadn't had the, uh, the consequences uh, that so many have, you know, from uh, bowel obstructions to uh, several chronic diseases, all of that, all of that. My mind wants to tell me that uh, it, it that I'm not like others, so that I can continue to do what I want to do. <laughs> so, to put it bluntly, always. And I and and so my mental obsession, whether I'm uh, in the food or not, is always present. It's always trying to compare out again to justify, rationalize, deny. I'm not talking about anybody's mind, but mine. Um, so it is important for me to see, even now, with some recovery and some consequences of recovery, that I'm still the same old Carlisa. I'm still the same old 
jack of all, all trades. <laughs> and it's also important for me to remember that this book is all about me, and it's talking about me. And I, um, <laughs> I need a constant reminder each morning that I am still and always will be a pickle, uh, no, no cucumber returning. I also want to end by saying this. I was traveling in another country, which and people were so friendly and wonderful. And every celebration, every moment, there was there was a boatload of food sailing along the path with us. And when I say boatload, I mean a boatload, because not only was the eating of the food important, it was the making of the food to express love. And with that food was also alcohol. So... It's you know we live in we live in cultures that uh, that are not you know we are we are surrounded by our substances every day, so this is why I I really need to show up every day for myself in these rooms to get my medicine. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Carlisa C. Leslie W. Thanks, Rebecca, for your service. This is Leslie W. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. And I really related to this paragraph because um, I know I'm not as young as some Some have somewhere when they first walked into a Reader's Anonymous, but um, still pretty young. You know, I was 30 years old when I walked into my first Reader's Anonymous meeting. Um, and I, for one, and unlike a lot of others that have shared on the line that say that they were born with this disease or started eating at a very young age, I, I did not. Um, obviously had the propensity for it all along and had the, the, the makeup for it. Um, but there was something about being home with a new baby and not having outside accomplishments and accolades to distract me from my misery, um, it jumped, it pounced on me. It just, it just, this disease just absolutely pounced on me. And I progressed really rather quickly um, and knew I was in trouble. I, I knew it. I knew I couldn't stop. And, you know, I, I walked into Overeaters Anonymous thinking it was a weight loss support group like a diet club. Um, little did I know what I was in for. Um, you know, God placed my butt in that seat. And, you know, even though I didn't see a lot of other young people in that meeting, I did hear the truth about myself, about who I really was, I did identify in. I knew I was in the right place. Um, and the one thing I hear from other people is how blessed other women who are older than, than I in a different stage of, of life is how blessed I am to be in this program and um, have a chance to get it right and with my kids and with my husband, you know, I, um, I haven't alienated my children and I haven't, I haven't lost my husband. And, um, 
I'm just so grateful that God brought me to these rooms when he did, because I know I would have. And, um, and I'm so thankful that for the life that I have today, so thankful and so grateful and so blessed to have found this solution when I did to save my life. So with that, I pass. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you, Leslie W. Kiara VP. Hi, this is Kiara VP, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in the UK. I love this paragraph because it's um, it just captures how this disease affects so many people, the diversity. Um, it definitely doesn't talk about me because I was at bottom when I found recovery, when I found OA. But um, it's important to know that this disease comes in many shapes and forms and different levels of, um, I guess, progressiveness. I'm not sure if that's the correct term in English. Um, and yeah, it's very helpful for me to remember that, especially as I listen to people uh, share in meetings. Um, I mean, I was really moved by previous shares and um, I definitely um, have been given a life beyond my wildest dreams. And it is only through vision actually that I've um, improved, improved, um, strengthened my conscious contact with a higher power. Um, I wouldn't say that I wasn't spiritual before, didn't have a conception of a higher power, but it is only through working 10, 11, and 12 on a really daily, sometimes moment-by-moment basis that, I am, that I'm experiencing what people call neutrality around the food and neutrality around my body. And it is just such a relief to have that energy and space of mind to dedicate to the people around me, and particularly my, my new baby. And, um, yeah, I leave it there. I, I, I just want to say thank you to everyone on the line for the commitment every day to show up, the punctuality, and to focus on the very simple solution outlined in the big book. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kiara VP. Who else would like to share on the last paragraph on page 33? Kathy G. Chuck K. Kathy, Chuck K. Kathy G. and Chuck K. Craig F. Craig F. We may have time for one more. Or even maybe two more. Phyllis D. Phyllis D. Yes. Oh, great. Thanks. Does one more person want to try to get in line in case there's time? Rita S. Rita, and is it S as in Sam? Yeah. Gotcha, Rita. There's a little echo on my line. I don't know if you're hearing it, too. Yeah. Kathy G, Kathy Chuck K, K, Craig F, Phyllis D, and Rita S. 
Kathy G, go right ahead. Am I being heard? Kathy G, are you there? I'm so sorry, Rebecca. I was talking. <laughs> uh, thanks for your service today. Good morning, everyone. It's Kathy G, uh, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Illinois. And it's um, just been such a quiet morning. I thought I would jump on today. The word that jumps, the words that jump off at me this morning are gravely affected. And talking about, you know, particularly true of women. Um, how this affects us. And I thought, yes, this woman has been gravely affected by this illness, gravely affected. I lost a lot of my life um, in bathrooms, in grocery stores, hiding in cars, um, you know, just hiding food in pockets, turning away from people, being away from, outside of, and... uh, as a result of being in this program, I get the chance to have a do-over. And I'm so grateful about that today. Uh, and I also am here to say, I've been talking about it a little bit, I've been in a hard season here. And it's because I'm facing things that were so gravely affected for so many years. And, uh, you know, that saying, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Well, that happened to me. And I have gotten a new sponsor just to go um, through the steps yet again in a deeper way. And this morning we were on, and she's having me look at an area of my life. She said, okay, I want you to look at the areas in your life where you have been under being. Deep breaths. I was just like, and she's got me writing on all these different things and It's so interesting because now that I have my food weighed, measured, you know, my abstinence um, just that has been evolving, getting cleaner, tighter, more um, defined for me, the behaviors. She says, now we're going to look at weighing and measuring your life. And I'm like, yes, that is a good plan. Because as a compulsive overeater and a person who was addicted and has been getting free over many years, it's my life that was just so deeply affected, you know, in so many areas, relationally, emotionally, financially, organizationally. And I'm only coming up on two years of abstinence. And it's just like it can feel overwhelming uh, to look at all the rooms and hidden crannies and things that slid as a result of getting into the food, but one day at a time, one pile at a time, one closet at a time, one area at a time, uh, you know, I can do this with the help of her and you, and so I may be calling. So uh, thanks for letting me share, Rebecca. I appreciate it. I pass. Thank you for sharing, Kathy G. Chuck K. Hey, this is Chuck K. from Georgia. Can you hear me? Yes, good morning, Chuck Kay. Good morning, everybody. I'm glad everybody's here on a Monday morning helping us all recover. And I was just thinking over the weekend how how the disease has affected me and the things that I can do and the things that I can't do. 
and how important the step one uh, understanding that I have to have with myself that I am a compulsive overeater. There's nothing I can do to control this. The only thing I can do is turn to God and use the steps to do that is very helpful to me. And I so often want to get in the mindset of being able to control this or do I really have this and all of those questions that pop up from time to time. That just makes me think about how happy I am that this is a daily uh, a daily workout almost. It's something that I do every day. It's, there's no middle or end to this until I die. And that's fine. Um, that's just the way it is. I remember doing a food history, and I realized in that moment that I have been a compulsive overeater all my life. Up until I was about uh, 18 years old, I swam. When you swim two hours a day, four days a week, you can eat about what you want. You can eat anything you want generally. And I, I remember in my past many instances where I treated food differently than other people. And I understand why that was now. Back then, I, I didn't understand why I did those things. But once I turned 18, I proceeded to waste the next probably 25 years of my life with this disease. And the way that manifested in me is one of the parts that it did was I was obsessed with food all the time. I would spend maybe an hour a day eating because I ate so many meals in a day, but I would spend the other waking hours thinking about my next meal. And now I've been in program for four years. I've had a relapse. I'm recovering now. And even now, I will still have feelings of, hey, maybe maybe I do have this. Maybe you're not as bad as you think you are. And sometimes it takes a few minutes to say, hey, why don't you go step in the mirror and see what you've done to yourself when you had things your way? And that's kind of a, a shock for me a little bit. I, I sometimes do that. And I'll do it in a negative way, and I always follow it up with something positive to say about myself because that's what a kind friend told me to do. But I have to remember, this isn't anything to play with. You know, this isn't anything to to joke around with or take lightly. I have to take this very seriously. Because if I have too many days lined up together where I think that I've got this, I could very easily relapse and go back into the food. And in a few months, I'll be looking in the mirror going, how did I get to this place? So keeping in fit spiritual Keeping in fit spiritual condition is a priority for me from the moment I wake up to the time I go to bed. Have a good day. Thank you, Chuck K. I miscalculated there's three people in five minutes, so if we could do, I don't know, maybe two and a, two and a little more minutes per person, we could all get in. Craig F. Your turn. Craig, star one to unmute. Thank you. I thought I was unmuted. Can you hear me now? Hello? I do hear you, Craig. I do hear you, Craig. Yes, yes I had uh, muted. Sorry. Go all ahead. right. I'm, I'm sorry. All right. Thank you. I'm reading this, and I, I, it occurs to me that uh, one man's uh, bottom is a, another man's toga party, you know, that uh, um, a lot of times uh, one of the problems with hitting bottom is uh, some of us have a higher tolerance for 
um, the pain of compulsive overeating and the pain of of the uh, results of the compulsive overeating and and you know uh, to some people uh, being t- uh, 20 pounds overweight is a horror story and uh, if I'm within 20 pounds of goal weight I'm ha- I, I I have arrived you know um, and so uh, we have different bottoms and we have different uh, um, uh, outlooks on uh, on on life, but it, this paragraph is telling us that uh, that uh, if that certain that we would be um, that we what we have in common, what brings us to recovery is the inability to stop. We're astonished at our inability to stop, and uh, you know m- my stops were all temporary. You know I I had the ability to stop, but I hadn't had the ability to stay stopped until I got to this program. And that's what this program gave me was the ability to stay stopped. And, uh, you know, the rest of it uh, if, uh, is um, all about figuring out whether I belong here or not. And, uh, you know, that that's a worthy thing to do because if I can't figure out if I belong here or not, I'm not going to take that first step and admit that I'm powerless over food and my life's unmanageable. And that's the step we have to do perfectly. And, uh, and that's the, that is the foundation for all the rest of our recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Craig F. Phyllis D. Good morning. This is Phyllis D. Uh, recovered in Illinois. Um, I have, I'm so grateful to have been directed to this meeting and I've yogioed all my life and my weight. Not a lot of weight to lose most of the time, but I found physical relief in diet books that, su- that I suffered so badly in the meantime with spiritual malady all my life that my life certainly was totally unmanageable. The, the wanting to control everybody to uh, keep everybody in line and it, it just was miserable being so hard on myself through the whole thing. This program has guided me to a simple abstinence and a recovery from the spiritual maladies to a life I never, ever thought would exist for me. I have a new freedom and closeness to God that I never thought I would have and a love for doing service for others. I will never be able to say how grateful I am. And... Um, Although without with not that much weight to lose, the rest of my life was so miserable, and the food just seemed to be a symptom of all of it. And I thank you for letting me share. Thanks. Thank you, Phyllis D. Rita S. Rita, are you there? Star one to unmute. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Good morning, Rita. It's Rita. Yes. Good morning. Uh, I'm in Florida and recovered. Uh, I'm so grateful, just so grateful to God, especially. And, you know, I'm going to be brief. I was thinking about the control thing. I controlled everything, my, not only my disease, my children, my husband, my friends. I always had to be in touch. And I told, 
I could tell you if you were a compulsive overeater, even if you didn't know it. And you know, one time I was talking to this pastor when I first became a Christian, and I never forgot it. I said, oh, I don't think I can be this good. I curse, I do this, I do that. I said, I'm not going to run around with the Bible and all this stuff. And he said, you know, Rita, some people are so heavenly, they're of no earthly good. And they don't want what you have when you're like that. And I thought about that. You know, this go around, I'm going through the steps really, really in depth. And I thought, you know what? You'll, people will want what you have, Rita, if you act and live in those steps. They are going to want what you have. You don't have to tell them what they are or ask them if they are. They will gravitate towards you because you can show the love of God through you, through this program. And it's a way to say, Someone comes to you and say, how are you doing it? That's your opportunity. Not pointing the finger, judging other people. I have learned so much about myself and how to step back, how to listen to other people, how to be a kind and better person. And it no longer is about the food because I know what the food is. It has nothing to do with the food. Whatever your food plan is, good for you. But I'm going to tell you, it's about what's wrong inside which will every time and time again will bring you back to square one, the food. So if you live in the steps, you're never going to have a problem. Thank you for letting me share. Everybody have a great day. Thank you. Thank you, Rita S. You were our last person to share. Thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The share ID number for this meeting, Monday, June. Oh, I have the wrong date here, June 17th, 2019, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 13042. That's 13,042. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Craig F. Please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Sure. This this is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.